Today's scripture is Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and chapters 3 and 4. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarsus. So he paid his fare and went on board to go with them, away from the presence of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone great and small put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he had a proclamation made to Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, no human or animal, no herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Humans and animals shall be covered with sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to God. All shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may relent and change his mind about and turn away from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarsus at the beginning. For I knew you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from punishment. And now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. So the Lord God 
appointed a bush and made it come up over Jonah to give shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush so that it withered. When the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and asked that he might die. Jonah said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And Jonah said, yes, angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also many animals? This is the word of God for the people of God. Pray with me. Amazing God, open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to care. Use me, Lord, and let me portray, proclaim the message you would have heard this day. Amen. I love Jonah. Don't you love Jonah? Yeah. Have you ever been told to do, you had to do something you didn't want to do? Anybody ever had that happen to me or is it, yeah, it just happened to me, nobody else? Okay, all right. And have you ever done it but with an attitude? One that proclaimed loudly, I don't want to do this. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, okay. At least when you were kids you did it. Maybe you did it as a grown-up too, I don't know. But more seriously, I came of age during the Vietnam War. And most of the guys I went to high school with were drafted into that war. Or they joined ROTC so they could become officers and serve in that war. Some were committed to it. Some were strongly opposed, made to do something they did not wish to do. Something they were forced to do, didn't want to go. Now, what if you were told you had to do something nice for somebody you couldn't stand? Or for a group of people you just didn't want to have anything to do with? Maybe there's nobody you feel that way about. But what if people have genuinely harmed you? Say you're a Ukrainian. How do you feel about the Russians? Israelis, about Hamas. Palestinians, about Israelis. And many, many, many more examples throughout this troubled world of ours. 
What if you are the one who has been harmed and you are called compelled even to bring and love to bring love and kindness and generosity to the very ones who have harmed you? What would you do? What would you do? I'm going to talk about two people today, one you know about and one you may have never heard of. The first one, of course, is Jonah. You notice I skipped over the most well-known part of the story. Jonah, who was called by God to go where he didn't want to go, to preach to a people who he couldn't stand. We don't know what Jonah had against the people of Nineveh. So far, as scholars have been able to figure out, Jonah had never been there. There was no known enmity between Jonah's people and the people of Nineveh. So far as we know, Jonah had no reason to dislike the people enough to refuse to go. And we don't really know what God had against these people. We just know that God called Jonah to go there and save them by sharing the good news of God's mercy. And Jonah did not want to go. So he runs away. He runs away and bad things happen to him. And everybody knows that story, right? You know the bad things that happened to Jonah. And if you don't, it's one of the shortest books in the Bible, so you can go look at it. It's in chapter 2. But eventually, he ends up on dry land, and God says, Okay, Jonah, I still need you to go to Nineveh and preach what I tell you. And it's clear from the story that Jonah was not happy. He still didn't want to go, but he grudgingly goes to Nineveh, and he preaches an eight-word sermon. I wish I could preach an eight-word sermon. I wish my eight-word sermon would have as much effect as his did. But he said, 40 days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And what happens? A miracle. A miracle. The people repent. The king orders everybody to show signs of repentance. Sackcloth, ashes, fasting, even the animals. Even the animals. They all hope that God will not punish them, not destroy them, that God will accept them as changed people. And guess what? God does. God relents. The people of Nineveh are saved. God's wrath is no more. Rejoicing breaks out. It's a happy day. It's like the Ravens winning the Super Bowl, only bigger. Everybody's happy except Jonah. You would think that he would be rejoicing along with everybody else. His little sermon changed everything, but no. He just sits there pouting. He's angry because God has shown grace to people who, in Jonah's opinion, don't deserve it. He has shown mercy to people who don't deserve mercy. God has been kind to people who don't deserve kindness. Jonah is so angry that he wants to die. And God enters the story again telling Jonah about real mercy, real grace, real 
kindness, the love that God has for Nineveh and the forgiveness that God has given them. Jonah cares about a dead tree that God gave him. God cares about the people of Nineveh. Beloved, simply because they are people. And as the last verse of the book says, God also cared about the end. Jonah wallows in his anger. God chooses love. The other person I want to talk about is Katie Cannon. Have you ever heard of Katie Cannon? Yeah, I hadn't either until a few weeks ago when Pastor Kara asked me to preach on this particular passage. Katie Cannon is an African-American woman raised in Kannapolis, North Carolina. She was born in 1950, grew up during segregation and the civil rights movement of the 1960s. She went to a terrible school. The only opportunities for girls and women in North Carolina was to work in the textile mills, to clean houses for white folks, or to teach. And since there were only 30 black teachers in Kannapolis at the little black school, that was not a realistic option. Katie could not use the public library, the public swimming pool, the Y. In her words, everything was forbidden, outlawed, and you didn't want to risk doing it knowing somebody might get killed. She had to get out of there. She went to a small black college near Kannapolis where she excelled. And as a faithful Christian, she felt God calling her and enrolled in a Presbyterian seminary also in North Carolina, where she received her Master of Divinity degree. And Reverend Cannon became the first black woman ordained in the Presbyterian Church as Presbyterian USA. She then went to Union Theological Seminary in New York City. At last, she was out of Kannapolis. She was out of North Carolina. She was out of the South that had never forgotten or given up on the Confederacy. And in 1983, Reverend Dr. Cannon became the first woman of color to receive the PhD from Union Theological Seminary. This was a time of intellectual ferment in the world of theology. Liberation theology offered the poor and oppressed people good news for them. Archbishop Oscar Romero was one of those. Black theology came out of the reality of black men's lives. Feminist theology came out of the women's, women's liberation movement. And then there was womanist theology coming from the lives of women of color. And Reverend Dr. Katie Cannon became the revolutionary leader of this new angle of vision. A professor of Christian ethics, Cannon studied and taught womanist theology at several different places, including her alma mater, Union Theological Seminary in New York, and she thrived. But then in 2001, she was asked to come to Union Presbyterian 
Seminary in Richmond, Virginia. A seminary that in its early days would not allow black Presbyterian pastors even to walk on campus, but a seminary that also a century later had been active on behalf of black Americans in the civil rights movement. And that led to pushback from the good Presbyterians of the city of Richmond. Cannon was being asked to come to the capital of the failed Confederacy, a city that still had Monumental Avenue, a place filled with statues honoring the Confederacy. She did not want to go. Not back to the land filled with people like those who had made her life in Kannapolis so very miserable, so awful, so terrible. But she went for an interview, and as she was getting off the train in Richmond, she felt, as she said, a poke between her shoulder blades, a nudge from God. As much as she loved being in New York, she knew that God was calling her to Richmond. Her teaching, her writing, her presence, and most of all, her witness transformed Union Presbyterian Seminary, and she thrived. She thrived. But she died in 2018 at the age of 68. But the seminary was a different place because of her. So we have two people called by God to go where they did not want to go to go to a people they did not want to be with. Both went, unwillingly, but one continued to rail against God's goodness and mercy and grace. Jonah wanted to limit God's grace to people just like him. The other offered herself as a witness to that very goodness and mercy and grace. Katie Cannon knew that God's mercy had no limit, that it is for all people, no matter who they are. You know, sometimes it's just hard to understand God's mercy and grace. There's a wideness in God's mercy that's not just wider than the sea, but wider than the universe, encompassing all things. And God's grace, oh my goodness, God's grace is for all with no strings attached. I'm sorry to say that I'm more like Jonah than like Katie Cannon. I really want God to bless me and people who are like me, don't you? But not so much other folks, especially the ones I don't approve of. I mean, come on, God. But I need to remember that I am not God, and God is not limited by my wants or my prejudices. There's a wonderful quote in a book by Anne Lamott. Anne Lamott's one of my favorite devotional writers. She says, you can safely assume you have created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people that you do. I want God to be like me. 
But God reminds me that God is not like me, and for that I'm actually very grateful. God loves where I struggle to love. God forgives where I struggle to forgive. God offers mercy where I struggle to offer mercy. But if we, you and I, are truly followers of Jesus, we are called not to judge, but to love. Our job description does not include judgment. If we're truly followers of Jesus, we are called to share the good news of God's universal, universal means everybody, universal grace and mercy. If we are truly followers of Jesus, we don't focus on the wrongs of others, but strive to live as God calls us to live. This is the season of epiphany in the church year, the time between Christmas and Lent. Epiphany is all about seeing something new, something unexpected. Epiphany is an aha experience. And our aha experience ought to include seeing that we have been covered with God's grace. We are surrounded by God's mercy and we are embraced by God's love that will never let us go. And now that we see God's grace, let's share that grace. Let's share that mercy. Let's share this love with everybody everywhere we are. And let's share it with joy. Let's be Katie, not Jonah. Thanks be to God. Amen. send me? Even if I don't want to go there and I'd rather get on the boat and go to Tarshish? Nah. Remember, not only do we have coffee down there, but we have chili by a couple of awesome chili makers. So I invite you to go down there after, after the service. So beloved, hear these words. Bless the ministry of this congregation and of your church universal that we may always remember that you alone are God, and it is your work we are called to do. So in all things, at all times, we give thanks to you through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And all the people said, Amen. NBUMC Weekly is a production of North Bethesda United Methodist Church, located in Bethesda, Maryland. Follow us on YouTube and Facebook at North Bethesda UMC or on Instagram at Loving All Neighbors. 
All music is licensed via Christian Copyright Licensing International, CCLI.